Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's good, my people? It's Pastor Jay Harris from The Ville Church. Thank you so much for tuning in for this sermon this morning. Um, we are excited. We've been going through the book of um, Colossians, um, and we are towards. We're at the very end right now. We're in chapter four, but we've been going through it for a couple months, taking it just verse by verse, just trying to preach the text in order as it rolls out. And it has been um, life changing in so many ways for me and for so many people in my church that have experienced. It's just rich with some amazing things. But where we're going to be at today is in Colossians four. Um, and uh, we're going verses two, we're going verse two through verse six is where we're going to be at. And so, um, you know, so I welcome you. Glad to be, you know, that you could make it here or whatever, especially shout out to the Ville Church and any of our guests. Thank you so much for, for riding with us. Um, the weather's beautiful, so I decided to come outside, but this Florida heat is something serious. So if you see a little sweat dripping, you already know what it is. You know what I mean? But listen. Colossians um, 4 verse 2 through 6 is where we're going to be at today. I want to jump into this thing because it's very rich and I want to make sure I can get your attention to hit all the points. Um, just for quick context, Paul is going to be talking about prayer in this text. He's going to be talking about prayer and he's going to be talking about um, he's going to be talking about evangelism as well and whatnot. He's going to be talking about how we interact with other people, with strangers. He hits a couple points. But just so you have a context, right? Paul is coming off of the, the, the verses prior to this, which I did an online sermon for also, Paul talked about some relationships that have strain and difficulty that are inside of the church at Colossae. So you got to think about it. Paul is in jail. He's writing this letter to the church. And the church is what it is, right? I'm a pastor or whatever. I have people that take drugs. I have people that struggle with all kind of things or whatever. And that's the way they are when they got there. Right, and we are on a walk, and God is doing something in their life, just as He's doing something in my life and sanctifying and changing me. And some people would be like, "Man, you should just slam the hammer down on the table and be like, yo, you need to cut this out, or you need to stop being like that, or you need to stop being like this.'" But let me tell you something: patient, honest, bold, caring, love is louder than any hammer being slammed on the table when you are walking with somebody. It leaves a lasting change and really changes their identity into what Christ has actually called them to be. And it's the way that God actually interacts with us, right? So I just say that because Paul is dealing with relationships between um, parents and their children, husbands and wives. He's even dealing with relationships with slave owners and slaves, bosses and servants, all the dynamics of their day, right? And it's messy. But these people have got come to Jesus and been baptized, and they need to be taught in the gospel as being they're, 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 they're young, right? They're babies, and they're needing to grow, so he's feeding them. So he doesn't slam his hand on the table, but he's pointing them to Jesus. He's pointing them to God, and he is looking to have them be reconciled, right? When the Bible talks about this line of hostility that divides us all, and like, you know, black, white, male, female, um, gay, straight, all of these different things, whatever, God is looking to do a transforming work that pulls us into a whole nother deal, right? On a whole nother deal, children of God um, that walk before a holy God, right? And so Paul just touched on this stuff. And he's saying, yo, don't focus on what this other person is on. Focus on God and love them, even if they're wicked with it, 
the way God would have you to love them. And God will deal with the punishment for them, and he'll deal with the reward for you. So keep your mind and you focus on God and act accordingly so they don't drag you into sin with their hatefulness. You get where I'm coming from? So he just did that, and that brings us to today's verse. Sorry for the long runway, but I want you to get the context. So now he tells him, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Paul is currently locked up when he's writing this. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now check it, straight off the bat he tells them, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote by definition says this, give all or a large part of one's time or resources, resources, right? To a person, an activity or a cause. And so Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer. There's a couple things I wanna say about prayer. Paul is telling the believers to devote themselves to prayer in the midst of their circumstances. Now, there's a lot of people, whatever, you see them out there, whatever, they be like, yo, man, miss us with all the prayer talk or whatever and stuff. We need to get the action or whatever. Guess what? In some senses, I agree with them. Because what they're really saying is, they're really, they're really saying is, look, praying is dope, but you need to show up for the battle too. But the Bible says that as well. The Bible says to do things in word and in deed. Don't just do it in word. Don't just talk the talk, but also walk the walk. So I get what they're saying. And the frustration they have with the church or with church people sometimes. Sometimes it sounds like, or it may seem like, y'all down to pray and all that, but it's sometimes it seems like you're hiding from getting the action, you know what I'm saying, behind praying. But let me tell you this right here, though. We believers, we are the church, and God's church, they pray, and it's what God tells us to do, and it's what's in his word, and it's what Paul is saying. So we most definitely need to be about deep, because when we experience Jesus Christ, he has is, he is actually crafted us for good works. So getting to work is a part of what he has called us to do. It is our identity to get to work. So if we ain't getting to work, we missing something. But here's the thing, prayer. We ain't throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Prayer is pivotal. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. The Bible says the effective, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It acknowledges that God is high and we are low. That we surrender to his lordship, that he is actually high and he is above all of our circumstances. He says that all things work out for the good of those that love him. Love him. Even the things that go bad for us go good. Because ultimately, he will use it to build us, to craft us, to mold us, and he's already, he's already won it all in the end. A bad day may just be a day that's building your muscles or whatever to save you from a bad day down the road and get you what you need early in the game. God is not stuck in time, he's omnipresent. So he's watching the whole deal. He knows what you need to struggle through here so he can save you from something here. But you have to believe that God is King of Kings and Lord of Lords to actually give him that kind of, you know, leeway in your life. It says devote yourself to prayer. Let me tell you something real quick. 
The Bible says pray without ceasing. I told the church this when I preached this. I used to hate being pushed into prayer. Like I used to be at a church or whatever, and they talked about prayer all the time. But it felt like this, it felt like piety. It felt like this religious work, like something you're just supposed to do because it's good. And so I was, and I always failed at it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was never good at it. I'm not one of those people that can sit and just pray all night, whatever. It's never been like that for me. I've never, I was never able to accomplish it. But as Jesus has revealed himself to me and as I've grown in the Lord, now I pray more than I ever have in my life. And it's not an act of duty. It's functional. And this is what I want, this is what I want you to grab today. It's functional. It's different than, man, I hear people in my church. I just heard people within the past month or two and up during the sermon after we discussed, they're like, man, I just feel like I need to pray more. I just need to pray more. And I'm like, nah, you don't need to just pray more. You need to pay attention to the reasons why you need to pray because now you won't be thinking about the duty of praying. You'll just be praying because it's essential in your functionality of your day. Let me give you let me give you an example. So Paul says, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Back in Colossians 3, verse 1, we saw it said, it says, since you then have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. With when Christ, who is your who is your life, appears, then also you also will appear with him in glory. We often read these scriptures and we just read them with these religious minds that we've been, you know what I'm saying, overwhelmed with or whatever, right? And we need to deconstruct and get free from that, right? Keeping your mind, God gives you more than enough to keep your mind on him. You go to Facebook right now and scroll down, I guarantee you're going to see mad people with tragedies going on in their life. Whenever I see them, I don't say I'm praying for you. I always say I'm praying for you right now because it keeps me praying. Now I'm functionally praying. I'm not just praying because I, you know, my, my self-righteous list of things I need to do is that I need to pray because that's part of being good. It's so much that needs to be prayed for, right? When he's saying being watchful, he's saying watch yourself. This is a remedy to deal with and also deal with your mental health, right? When you wake up and you're depressed and you're fighting something, don't just waddle on it. God, tell him how you feel. Lord, I feel low today. I feel down. He says we can boldly approach the throne of grace. So go before him and tell him how you feel. God can handle it. You don't have to come and put on your religious, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to throw on your makeup or whatever, your happy face or whatever, and come play games for God. He sees through all that anyway. He wants the truth. He wants a contrite, real, honest heart. So life is throwing us through moods and changes all day long. God is a counselor, a wise counselor. He's always there. Tell him how you feel. Sometimes I go to pray, and I'm so down, I can't even utter words because my complaints will be so greasy and slick out the mouth. I'm like, God, I, I need to watch my mouth in front of me. I'm feeling all kind of ways. I'm like, and I can't get out of it, but I know you're holy and you're pure, and I know I don't even got to speak for you to know. So I just lay before him. And let his Holy Spirit do some work on me. Talk to me. Work me through it. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, he is faithful and is real and is true. And he is, he is there with you. He is there with you. He says, be watchful. 
This is internal and it's external. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That approaching of the throne is functional. Grace. Graceful when you just feel like crap or whatever, when you feel like you didn't sin and mess up so bad, God has grace, not condemnation working for you. This is a reason to go to him in prayer. Because there's grace, there's encouragement, there's love. Some of us can't even imagine the idea that if, if, if we were to see Jesus, that he would run to us and hug us and wrap his hands around us. Just picture it for a minute. Get off your religious picture, but just think about the Father. Even with your sin and your mess, the Bible says that his mercy is made new every morning. He would actually wrap his arms around you. It says as, as high priest in Hebrews 4, it says that he has actually suffered all temptation. All temptation. So he knows exactly what me and you are going through every day. He knows what it is to have this rotten, sin-craving flesh on him. He knows what it's like. But he doesn't posture himself in... I did it, you should be able to do it too. The Bible says he opens up the throne of grace. He makes the grace wide open, just messy grace. Lord, you gonna fit it, forgive this cat right here? Yeah. I'm gonna forgive him. You gonna, huh? Remember when he was, when when when, when the young lady was putting the, the perfume on his feet and wiping his feet with her hair? And the Pharisees were standing there. He was like, yo, man, if he knew who this woman touched was, he wouldn't have her touching them like that. They were basically saying, her? He was saying, yeah. He says, those who forgive him much, they love much. So there's watchfulness. We watching us? Come on now. How many times you done showed up around your people, your friends, your family, you in church, and you like sister so-and-so, seem like she depressed. Something don't feel right. Don't just sit around bewildered, not doing nothing about that. Take it to prayer. The first thing you can do is you can pray. You can also take the next step and call sister so-and-so, girlfriend, how you doing? You seem like you was down Sunday. And they're like, no, no, I'm good, everything good. Hey, listen, I want you to know I love you. You can talk to me for real though. Are you sure you are right? I'm worried about you. You understand? Give, ask God, pray and ask God to give you the boldness to make the phone call. Pray that God helps you to not just coddle sister so-and-so, but to actually love her and to push in the way you would want somebody pushing if you were in a dark place and maybe even shame to talk about it. Prayer. I'm not no super evangelist at all. I'm shook and scared all the time on so many things. I've been preaching all these years and I still go to the stage and my legs and hands be shaking. I pray. And go. Word, indeed, God, be with me. Help me. Not my power, but your power. This ain't about my confidence up here. This is about you working through me. Get me out of the way so you can come through. So watchfulness. See, y'all done got me. I'm ready to preach a whole sermon on watchfulness. Watch your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, strangers, your pastor. Pray for them. Bible says pray for your enemies. Luke 6, 27 through 28 says this, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
pray for those who mistreat you. I see people I can't stand all day long. Instagram, Facebook, in real life, whatever. I'm usually just grumbling and mumbling about them. I'm missing opportunities to pray, pray for them. So this is what Paul means when he says devote yourself to prayer. It's not just religious piety. He's saying devote yourself to prayer. He says also devote yourself. He says, you know, be watchful. And he also talks about thankfulness. This is for your peace of mind. Colossians 1, 3 says this. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Paul starts off the book of Colossians with vulnerability, telling the people how he feels about them. He said, I'm always thinking about y'all. They're not confused about how Paul feels about them. I'm sitting in the jail cell and I got y'all on my mind. That's why I'm writing this letter about y'all, right? He says, I am thankful for you. He's letting them know that they are cherished. So in your thankfulness, when you live out your thankfulness, you give people value. You let them know they're worth something. Like I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. You practice in vulnerability. When you practice vulnerability, when you practice vulnerability with thankfulness, when you practice it with telling people about what you need in life and being assertive, things start to happen around you. Go read any leadership books about daring to lead. They're going to tell you about vulnerability, right? Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I can list a million of them, Maxwell, all of them, whatever. You'll find vulnerability at the heart of them. You'll find thankfulness in it. You understand? Because thankfulness changes the reality quick, quick. You understand? My kids right now, I can hear them in the background. They're making mad noise. They run around acting crazy or whatever. You might not be able to hear them. And it gets frustrating sometimes when I'm trying to do stuff. But guess what? I just got an Amber Alert just like 20 minutes ago. Somebody's looking for their baby right now. I'm pr I prayed. I actually prayed when the Amber Alert, once again, functionality. Not just looking at it going, oh, man, that's crazy. It gave me an opportunity to pray and talk to God. God, please help this person find their baby. But it's also giving me an opportunity for thankfulness right now. God, I want to complain about the noise, but thank God I can hear that noise. Because that mother that's looking for a daughter right now, all she wants to hear is noise again. Do you get where I'm coming from? Thankfulness changes perspective. Some of our struggles we have, some of the difficulties, whether they're financial, whatever they may be right now, Somebody would love to have that struggle. Because what they got in front of us is so bleak. That bill you're trying to pay, they never even had a house to, they can't even imagine having a house to even pay a bill on. You understand what I'm saying? Thankfulness, it changes perspective. So Paul is saying devote yourselves to prayer. Watchfulness, thankfulness for our mental health. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. He just, he's, giving you the, he's giving you the play. We're humans. This flesh gets anxious. It gets anxious. It does, right? That is your alarm clock. These moods, these emotions. Oh, I feel this. I need to pray. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving 
present your request to God. He just gave us the whole play right there. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not that God just voila does and he's not there to be manipulated, right? He's not a magic wand and he's not sorcery to make everything go the way we want to. When we come to him in thankfulness, one of the ways we thank him is that we trust him. God, I thank you that no matter how this goes, I know that you are king of kings and lord of lords, and you can see better than I, than I can. So I think I know what I want, but, but, but I don't really know. Right? Some of us want to be rich really bad, but the money would kill us in no time. Some of us, our struggles are literally our mercy because if we got what we want, it would do nothing but accelerate our death. It would bring out the ugliest inside of us. God knows us better. So part of us being children of God is we surrender to his will. That's why Jesus, when he, wanted to, when he was about to go to the cross, he said, Lord, can you take this cup away from me? He said, but nah, not my will. Your will be done. He expressed the way he felt, but he surrendered to God's will, making God higher. That's what's happening in Philippians. With Thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. The peace that comes with knowing that God's way is better than our way, even if we can't see it. Right? And for some people, they think that's bullcrap of what I'm saying. But how many of you know old people that's still old, that that's still that's old and still faithful to God on their porch rocking back and forth, talking about how good God is? My grandmother, I, I would go inside a hospital before she passed away, and I see her. I could, one time I looked in her back, and I could see her spinal cord, and she still was talking about how faithful and good God is. Believe me, she's been through so many things. That testimony right there is not weak. It's not just religious babble. It's I done been through the valley low and the mountain high, and God is faithful, and he's good, and he's worthy to be praised. Let me keep moving and grooving. Y'all get me hype from here this morning, okay? Verse 3, Paul says, and pray for us, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I just want to push on this open door thing because it's something Paul is modeling something for us. Paul is saying, pray, said, pray for yourselves, right? He says, be devoted to prayer, be watchful, be thankful, but he says, also pray for us too. He said, I'm locked up in these chains for these gospel or whatever. And he said, I'm still out here looking for an open door. You, you hear it in other texts he talks about, right? In 1 Corinthians 16, 9 through 10, he says, I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. Paul saying, I got adversaries. I got haters. I got people pushing. But also see God got an open door to move this gospel forward, to bring life to people who are dead in their sins. The adversaries aren't the issue. They dead and they enemies of God the same way Paul was when he used to kill Christians. So that ain't, that's, that's not, that's not, oh, let me hit the brakes. They ain't rocking with me. Paul is like, I still see an open door. He says, pray for it, for us. You want another reason to pray? When you have relationships with people and God seems to be doing something there, when it may be an open door. I'm not saying plot on them in a very weird way where you can't be friendly and have a relationship without trying to insert Jesus in a strange way. I'm saying, pray. Ask God to lay the yellow brick road out for you make the gospel plain. Pray for it. Paul's asking them, pray for us for that open door. 
In 2 Corinthians 2, 12, he said, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, a door was open for me in the Lord. We as followers of Christ, we hunt for open doors. You feel me? Paul says in verse 4, he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now I'm talking to you about evangelicism, right? Um, and I'm talking to you about, um, excuse me, being evangelistic. And I'm talking to you about your identity and your confidence. This is Paul the Apostle. Wrote the majority of the New Testament. And here Paul is writing to the church from jail asking for them to pray for him so he can make the gospel clear. Paul has not got arrogant. He has not got to the point where he is thinks he just has this and it's just a walk down easy street. Paul is still with reverence coming before the Lord saying, God, I need you. I need the power of Holy Spirit. I need your power to help me even articulate the gospel with clarity. This is another reason to pray. For many of us who are afraid to share the gospel at times. For many of us who struggle with how to do it. I'm a preacher, I still struggle with I'm not nobody's superman. This is a reason to pray. This is another alarm clock going off. It's time to go pray. Tension, struggles, nothing but alarm clocks to lead us to go pray and give it to God. God, I'm praying about this and I'm asking you also to give me what I need to go do the doing. I'm bringing, the, I'm bringing it to you in word. I also need help indeed. We need grace all the way through. God has saved us by grace. The Bible says when we were dead in our trespasses, he saved us and made us alive in him. So dead situations where we are fearful, where we're scared, where we don't have courage, where we don't have confidence, it's just another thing for, for God to bring life to, gracefully, in grace. It's not about you deserving it. None of us deserve salvation. It's a gift. So it means everything we can bring to him in prayer. Everything we bring to him in prayer. And trust him with it. He brings life to dead things. You understand? This ain't no contest of how brave and awesome you are and how much of a super Christian you could be. That's boastfulness, and that's you preaching your own strength. Paul, pray for me that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. That's, a, that's, a, that's one right there. Verse 5, he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. We're still talking about how you evangelize. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Capitalize on it. Be mindful that you're called to share the gospel. Be mindful of that. Keep that in front of you. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It says, let it be full of grace and seasoned with salt. So he's saying, make the most of your conversations. When you're with people, don't just go be with, with people or whatever and, be, and forget who you are. Make the most of it. And make the most of it doesn't mean jump into some old religious, you know, fanatical, crazy stuff or whatever and trying to turn everything into a sermon. It doesn't mean that. 
means make the most in the moment. So in the church the other day, I just was out of town with my family or whatever, and my cousin came to see me. My cousin, you know what I mean? He's Muslim, like him and his family wear the full garb and everything or whatever. So he's at the crib chilling for a few days. One of my homies from back in the day slid through, and he comes over and he's like, and so we were in the back chilling. He's like, he said, yo, how does, like, how does, how do y'all rock? Like, what, how does this work? And he's basically saying like, Jay, you, you're a pastor. You believe in Jesus. You're a Muslim. He's like, how does that work? It works. Because me making the most of the time, me and my cousin already talked about our beliefs. He believes what he believes. I know he wish I believed what he believed. And guess what? I pray that he, he would follow Jesus one day. But in the meantime, making most of our time, kicking back, eating some burgers off the grill, chilling, talking, having a good old time, it's the best use of our time. I'm making the most of my time with him. I'm enjoying him and loving him as a family member and everything else but we also are getting to know each other, right? I'm also prayerful, God, there's a window, there's an open door for more conversation about the gospel, I pray for it. But right now, this seems like the best use of time. We just talked again yesterday, right? We didn't been like 20 years without talking. Now we talk, that was the best use of time. You get where I'm coming from? So Paul, that's what he's talking about. So my conversation with my cousin is full of grace, it's seasoned with salt. I don't hide what I believe. He don't hide what he believed. He was talking to me about a pastor or whatever that he found out was cheating and doing all this crazy stuff and stealing money. And when I started talking to him, I said, I said, man, I said, bro, that gave me an opportunity to talk about the gospel. I was like, bro, that's not the way church is supposed to be set up. The pastor ain't God. He ain't supposed to have control over all the money. And if he gets out of line, there's supposed to be elders in place that have the power to actually remove him. I said, we humans. All of us have sinful flesh on us. But if one of us begins to get eaten alive by that flesh, then the church should not have to collapse because of our foolishness. There should be people who are watching and governing and able to make decisions to remove that pastor. He's like, Dad, I ain't never heard that one. But he respected that. And I'm, now I'm giving him another picture. Yeah, I know what kind of church you came up in or you've seen, but this is how it's supposed to look, brother. This is the way God meant for it to be like. Gave me opportunity. I'm putting salt in my conversation, but I'm also talking with grace. You understand what I'm saying? We're growing in our love for each other and our relationship. I'm going to leave you with this right here and I'm going to close. The thief on the cross. When the thief on the cross, you know the story, the two thieves on the both sides of Jesus when Jesus is being crucified. And one is mocking him. The other one says, he says, um... He says, man, are you a fool to the other thief? He said, are you crazy? He says, we're up here because we deserve to be up here. But he has done nothing. And then he looks at Jesus and he says, will you please remember me? And Jesus says, yeah, today you'll join me in paradise. I want you to imagine for one minute if the thief on the cross, imagine if that would have happened. And then after it happened, and he, imagine if he was able to get off the cross who knows, he could have been forgetful. But let's say he wasn't forgetful. Let's say he remembered that Jesus was remembering him. What kind of message do you think he would preach? You think he would give people grace, seeing that he was up there dying and it was a just judgment, but he received mercy? Or do you think he would run around bamming people over the head, condemning them and, and mistreating them? Or do you think he would 
try to mimic the grace that Jesus gave him with, gave him on the cross. Right? Grace. But he also would have a crazy desire to des deliver truth. Right? He would be in that tension. I want to love you with the patience and love and the mercy I experienced, but also I want to give you truth too, because only the truth will set you free. So he'd be in the tension of trying to figure that out. That's a healthy tension to be in for us. It's a tension that deserves and requires prayer. It's prayer, because when the fruit comes forth, we're gonna glorify God for it. Not because we are so awesome. Man. We're gonna we're gonna glorify God for it. You understand what I'm saying? I'll leave you with this right here. 2 Corinthians 5:18. It says this: All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. This is the good news that we have. And he gave us the ministry. He for, he's forgiven our sins. And he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. And he has committed that message of reconciliation to us. And verse 20 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So to all the believers, all the followers of Jesus Christ, to all the people, the children of God, I am telling you right now, you have been, you have been, the message of reconciliation has been committed to you. You are an ambassador of Christ and he is making his appeal to you. Hold on to Colossians 4 that we're in today. Make that appeal with grace. Make it seasoned with salt. Make the most of the opportunity you have with people. Remember the gospel. Remember that your sins have been forgiven. Remember that you are the thief on the cross and you and it's just for you to be there But God has given you mercy lavish people with the mercy of receive when you get stuck The throne of grace is wide open to pray And for those who are listening right now and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior First of all, I want you to know that Jesus loves you That God loves you the father loves you so much that he sent his innocent son to live and walk it out for you and then to give his life on the cross God let his wrath for all your sin be put on his innocent son Jesus Jesus received your filthy judgment and then return when you trust in him which I pray that you do this morning you receive a clean resume and the Bible says that every day our mercies are made new that his mercy is made new you can bring, you can come to Jesus, and you can come to God, and I don't care if you stumble, I don't care if you say a prayer right now, and you sin five seconds later, you can go right to the Lord, and he says his mercy is made new. You can't outdo his grace and mercy. You can't outdo his forgiveness. Verse 21 of 2 Corinthians 5 ends like this. It said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. That's what God wants for you today. It's just a prayer. You stop, you pray, you give you, you give it all to God. You repent of your sins. You turn and you follow Jesus. You find a church that's a real church. If all of this, I know we don't have all the time in the world, but 
you know, the Ville Church, J Harris, J underscore straight and narrow. That's my Instagram. That's our Instagram, our Facebook, theville.church. Reach out to us. I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be glad to baptize you. All right. That's our sermon for the day. Listen, I love you. Um, thank you for your time and being with us this morning. I pray that this is encouraging, encouraging to you. Share this sermon with somebody because I know that there's a lot of people that need to hear this and be encouraged with this word today. So please share this sermon. All right, I love y'all. Peace, y'all.